0: Welcome to a Now for Something Completely Machinima podcast. I'm smiling because I'm still laughing at Bill's uh, pick last week for the uh, uh, Half-Life 2 HUV by Zapper 770. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, we're here with Tracy's uh, pick this week. Still here, a chilling dystopian tale of world devastated by climate crisis and wealth inequality by Film Shortage, directed by Guido Ecker. Um. We're uh, by the way, we're we're here with myself, Ricky, and Tracy, and Damian, and Phil Rice. So, Tracy, tell us a little bit about your chick, your pick, and why you chose it.
1: Absolutely sure. Okay, so um, it's by Guido Ecker, and it's on the filter, the the film shortage channel. Okay, and uh, which I, I I want to sort of highlight that in particular. Let me just talk a little bit about Ecker, first of all. Ecker's a a director and a VFX supervisor at The Panics, um, which is an Amsterdam-based studio working on film production for advertising, broadcast, retail and music industries. The studio lists 3D animation as an area of specialism, as well as live action. And Ecker says he had particularly um, wanted to tell... New stories um, using emergent technologies, um, which he sort of says helping keeps up with the, the, the fast, fast-moving pace of the of the current technical landscape of, of film. And I understand that this particular film was originally conceived as a live-action um, short, but due to the pandemic, was instead created fully um, with virtual tools, which include, as I understand it, blender and also um, Kitbash 3D, I think. Um, not too sure on exactly how it's been made. Um, but the reason I picked it wasn't wasn't just because it's an interesting film. It's also be- because it deals with a really emotive and currently highly politicised topic in quite a creative way. Uh, and the other reason is because of um, the method of, distribution that he's selected for it which is through the the film shortage channel on youtube um <clears throat> now i i think these two points are actually connected um if if you'll bear with me a bit um so i think what he's trying to do here is give himself greater viewing numbers for for the film rather than a sort of um a traditional film distribution strategy that he might have adopted um as a as a as a kind of a, a director um But but also when I looked at at his profile, he's actually not active as a director on YouTube himself. Um, And more importantly, the studio that he works for, um, which is also attributed in this this film as um, part of the production side of things, um, is primarily concerned with um, developing major brand marketing materials. Um, so he probably doesn't want to lay the politics on too thickly, given that marketing is all about consumption, which is hardly sustainable, mm. over um, over on his sort of studio's main channel, which appears basically to be on Vimeo. Now to the film, so, it's, so why that's relevant. So the, the film itself is about a man apparently wandering around this kind of dystopian landscape in which there's kind of, wealthy elite control access to the surviving remnants of nature. In fact, we, we kind of discover that he's an informant and his role is to rat on people growing their own plants. So he's um, led basically an armed force to this kind of hidden environment where resistance fighters are growing plants. And he's using his ability to gain access, which results in this kind of den of, of iniquity being destroyed by the armed forces um for which he then receives an appropriate w- reward and whereas whereas i think currently in our our world that might um be representative of say you know um how you might close down a meth lab or a cannabis farm in this world it's a place where plants are being grown simply for their oxygen presumably so that um you know anyone can be any, anyone in the resistance force can be given access to these sort of goods so what I think is going on here is this kind of interesting tension throughout this film between the this kind of class-based system of access, this kind of green agenda, and the language of bias that we see in our current everyday media. Uh, and this guy's voice in the in the film is is clearly a black person, and the images that you are seeing are those um, of those sort of accessing the the plants. Uh, ordinarily, if you like, are clearly white, uh, insofar as we can tell. And the police in this film are oppressive thugs. And the messages about the rate of extinction of the planet's natural environment is really overt. In fact, the whole short basically ends up being a call to action. As it states, the world's wealthiest countries should change their stance for the interests of the planet. And furthermore, Ecker describes... His inspiration for the film as being his experience of watching the news, traveling and basically David Attenborough documentaries. He says what he's tried to portray is the generational differences in views about global warming, where young people see a future of being consumed in toxic clouds and the widening wealth gap in society as as the climate crisis bites, where the elite have found a way to live and the poor simply survive. So I think unusually a film with a deeper message um, using some quite stereotypical tropes to achieve it. And clearly um, from a professional crew that almost seemed to want to distance, distance themselves from it in some way. Having said that overall beyond the message, I thought it was pretty well made. I I, I thought it was, I thought it was, um, you know, well edited and what have you. I loved the darkness to it. The atmosphere I really enjoyed and, um, I thought the way that the main character's breathing was driving the storytelling device was 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 very good. I also thought the the glow of color representing the natural entity was was a really interesting uh way to do it and that kind of representation of a plant in a bird cage also quite an interesting uh way of sort of uh exploring the the, the concepts in the film. I thought the voice acting was really good. I really liked the fight scene um at the end. Um, and, you know, i got to say, it did actually deliver a, a more serious message, but in a very creative way. And I'll t- come back to that point when you've had all your say on it. But what did you guys think?
2: I thought it was very effective at making its points because he obviously has that climate change is a big problem. And he was pointing out the people he sees responsible for it as being the wealthy elite and their businesses and the governments and all of that, who aren't taking it quite as seriously as they should be. And he, I think he's projecting what he sees happening in a, you know, a century or so, or maybe even sooner, of what happens if nothing changes, because those very same people, or at least their descendants or successors or whatever, will be doing exactly what they're doing in this film. They'll be controlling everything and everyone else will just have to make do with whatever they can get and you've got this black and white world that represents the devastation caused by climate change and you only get glimpses of color around the last remaining remnants of nature which is the trees you you get to see um through a window there's some guy at a desk and he's just wearing normal clothes i'm gonna make a point that everyone outside or anywhere there's because obviously that environment's been so badly damaged you have to wear suits of environment suits and a helmet breeze um So you see a guy in a window. He's the only person you see not wearing any kind of protection gear. He's at a desk. He's wearing a a business suit, and he's got some trees behind him. And that's the only other element of colour. he's obviously representing sort of the wealthy elite who have access. They can. He can. He lives in a, a way of life that he can just sit in a room with all these trees around him, where anyone else is lucky to have an, even a, little, a tiny little twig basically in a in a, um, in a jar which is that would be considered wealth for most people and you've got this guy living this that kind of lifestyle and i think he's told this sick story and you're right he does have a point at the end where he says this is a call to action to try and things need to change so we don't have this fate um i i my perspective is if the world is that bad, there probably wouldn't be anyone left alive at all. But obviously that's does not an effective story for the unless she wants to play. <laughs> yeah.
0: That would be pretty grim, yes. <laughs> Everybody's dead. No story. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Maybe I'll do that sometime. <laughs> but yeah, he's trying to convey that this is something that could happen if we don't change things. And that's the whole focus of the film. He, he does it in a really... The graphics are stunning. The black and white style works really well to portray this bleak world. And I really liked how you got smoke in the background and shots of the sky. And it's not anywhere you'd really want to live. And he makes that visually. He tells that, shows the world what it's like very well. Um, so I thought it's an excellent film. And I'm glad you chose it, Tracy. I'd say this is probably my favourite of the month because I don't want to pick my own. <laughs> <laughs> that's my thoughts on it all right so this is the
3: territory of science fiction isn't it you know this is it's to extrapolate out uh what may happen in the future based on certain parameters you know It's, it's it's what science fiction is best at um visually like as far as a film goes visually sound the the acting i I don't have any criticism at all it's it's just wonderfully executed um not a huge fan of preachy even on important subjects like this and i feel like some of the some of the narration a little bit too on the nose if you will of the you know. We had a chance to do something and we did nothing. So we deserve, it's just like, okay, man, you know, the film was already saying that Mm -hmm. like uh, properly crafted. The film could have said that without it being some guy pointing a finger and you should have done something, you know? So I don't know. Uh, That kind of turns me off generally. I think, I think there's a lot of that even in David Attenborough documentaries nowadays. It's mm-hmm. like, seems like everything you flip on is somebody you should do something. But the film is crafted wonderfully well, other than that. And um, it is an important topic. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this, I think visually and and even the whole sci-fi thing that they've set up with, with uh, you know, oxygen being a commodity now. And, uh, you know, if you think about when, when people are in an oxygen-deprived environment, even factoring out the suits, they're going to be weaker as a populace, right? So easier to control. So it really, it's an effective imagery that that would be something that's helped back. We've seen it done in some Hollywood films where water is the, the thing. And this takes it even further. It's No, it's clean air is the, the controlled, monetized commodity. But just wonderful stuff there, wonderful metaphors and all that and, and it just if it weren't for the narration just being a little bit overbearing, I, it's not that what he was saying that I thought no you're wrong. it's that you could have said that with the film without the narration I feel like. How exactly? Well that's you know another story. So I think other than that, my only criticism of the film isn't really of the film, it's more of, of the the call to action. Uh, because it's so vague. You know, To if you're going to deliver a call to action, be specific. You know, uh, I think that that's more effective than just saying something has to change. You know, we got to do things, to, nations of the world, you need to do better. It's like, what does that mean? You know, that's what leaders of nations and political parties and everybody is is really arguing about. It's not whether or not something should be done. It's what, what do we do? And he doesn't really even attempt to answer that here. Maybe it's just more than the scope of what a short film can do, but it, I, I would have been intrigued if he had a specific idea to contribute to the conversation instead of just no more of this. So, but that's not really a criticism of the film that, and that's, that's, I don't want to wade into politics at all. It's, 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 distasteful to me and to our viewers too i'm sure so um but just generally speaking all that build up in this this world and just okay i i'm sold man this this looks like it sucks so what do we do something else not enough so (laughs) i don't know i'm not trying to be flippant but that's that's uh that's that's a critique of the messaging, not not the film. So, um, just wonderfully crafted. I mean, I, I haven't seen a film with a look quite like this. Uh, not just in the world of you know three D animation and machinima, but uh, even in in Hollywood films that are dystopian and stuff. This is very unique looking. I I want to say noir, but it's there's nothing about the film that's really necessarily noir. But the look of it is the visual, that stark black and white, and like like you guys have all mentioned the 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 way that that lets the color when it's present really raise to the foreground. That's just wonderful artistry, just wonderfully done. So uh, yeah, it's, it's good. The uh, narrator, I think, uh, I'm not perfect with accents, but I think it's uh, like Jamaican sounding. And yeah, definitely sounded like it was a African-American or, you know, a black actor. Um, I guess African-American does not You've got two people on the podcast from the UK and I'm going to say (laughs) African-Americans. But yeah, it's... I think the subtlety with which... Tracy, you called attention to it. There's a subtle race message Mm -hmm. that's never articulated. Yeah. I would have loved to see some of the other messages of this movie done that artfully. I think it's more effective. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The the, the way that they handled race in this and and the, 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 the... distrust of law enforcement that these are like you said they're hot topics but he doesn't really ever point a finger at it and put it on the nose you know it's it's and i felt like those messages were stronger Mm. as a result so uh, i would have liked to see uh more of that because when he executed that when the filmmaker executed that he did it so well
0: yeah
3: like really really good you know it left you thinking about those things and nobody ever said it that's amazing that's what film is good at. So, anyway, that's my thoughts.
0: I'm you. Uh, looking at my notes here, you covered three quarters of what I was going to say. I'm right Sorry. along with you. <laughs> Whenever Oops. a film or a play or a story or a poem becomes polemical, I run screaming to the exits uh, because it's just my personal choice. I I don't like to be preached at. I would rather be in a position to draw my own conclusions from uh, the subtlety or the story. It's it's when the polemic message becomes more important than the actual story you're telling. Um, and I, although I didn't think of it, I caught that racial issue, and you're absolutely right, had the rest of the film uh, used to show us what racism and exceptionalism in class stratification rather than telling us that this is the case. And the fault lies in the narration. If you got rid of most of the narration and let the story play itself, I think you would have drawn those conclusions. Like for example, I remember a shot, and you're right, uh, Tracy, the look and and Phil, the look is just beautiful. It's a wonderful, dour, 1984 kind of look to it that is just very unique and very that's a
3: great comparison yeah
0: or very well. effective very very moody very emotional response to it and then suddenly this narration that comes on and just says you see they're all up there with their stuff their rich air and i'm down here we already see that in fact there was a yeah. scene in which he crosses in front of a An area where there was an elevated part with walls, and there was a rich person dining in it. Just that visual image. You need to say nothing.
3: Yeah, you don't have to say anything. That was way more powerful. A statement.
0: Exactly. So the the clue as to why they chose to go this way is in the title of the film. The subtitle is a chilling dystopian tale of a world devastated by climate crisis and wealth inequality why say that that's what the film <clears throat> is do you, you know what i mean so as if can, we
3: wouldn't get that
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly is that they have to to tell us and then yeah. i think that's the source of my irritation with that is that it assumes you don't already know that it assumes you don't already feel that way about it so it's got to teach you about these issues. And I think that makes lessons of film. It becomes a film that is has a gorgeous wrapping, like a package that's just beautifully wrapped and inside is a generic present because they don't come up with specific things to do in it. Um, so I, I was really bothered by that and it kept me. The call to action, again, you're right. It wasn't de- detailed enough. If you're gonna make a movie, in which the message is more important than the story, then you better have a good message. Yeah. Uh, because it's a message that's on everybody's minds today. So it's not as if people haven't thought about it. But when you make the final message ambiguous and gen- generalized, you just sh- throw your hands up in the air, like what I did at the end of the film. It's like, God damn, this, this movie had so much potential. It has so much po- possible in it. Why? mess it up with a heavy-handed polemic approach to the whole thing. So as frustrated as I was, I still admired much of the craft of making Mm -hmm. it and how it looked. It was very impressive. I almost wanted to re-edit the film myself and (laughs) cut that narration out and then watch it and see what it would be like. It's like
2: Blade Runner. The version without the narration is the better version. Yes. Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah, it's the the best one. But anyway, I still think it was a very good choice, especially a mar- marvelous contrast to the other films that we have shown this month. And yeah. I think there's lots to say that's very positive about the film. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I want—I didn't really talk about the story, uh, so I just want to make a quick comment on that. I thought this—I—I I was so caught up in in some distractions of the stuff I'd talked about that I noticed in the narration and kind of feeling preached at and stuff that the The story twist really caught me off guard. Like, I, w- when it was revealed what was really going on, uh, I liked that. That was, like, really well done. It's like, like there was nothing that telegraphed that, that that's what the uh, main actor's intent, main character's intent was, until we were right upon it. It's like, oh, wow, that's what, whoa. That was really nicely done. Yeah. <coughs> and I would have loved to experience that that uh, you know, without the uh, preach, without the preach, yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. completely, well, I, honestly, no, no. i I completely agree with both of you. But what I was going to say to you, all of you, in fact, what I was going to say to you was, um, the the the, you know, the, the your point about the call to action. I do you remember Alex Chan's film, French Democracy? Sure, because oh, because I, I this kind of got me thinking about. What are the modern day political films that we're going to see uh, being made with machinima? This to me is it. Um, there, The call to action surely has to be what other people do with something like this. And I agree, you know, I think you can take out all of that narration. You would still get the sense of a really powerful set of, you know, imagery that's, that you call this kind of speculative future. It's kind of positioned as a near future with a, with a kind of a warning message. It's for others to react to what that message is. And I, I think the creative ideas in this kind of political thing, not you know, notwithstanding the fact that they blew it a little bit by preaching at you. This this kind of cease and desist type um message is is, is not as good as as a creative execution like the the visuals that we saw in this at all. And it kind of made me think, is this the kind of virtual extinction rebellion type content that we're going to see coming through now? I don't know. These are these to me are the this this type of film is the is the kind of future of activist content creation. Subliminal, well, this wasn't this was overt, but more subliminal type messaging, I can well foresee is the type of content that comes through. And it wasn't Alex Chan that actually made his film uh, a political film. It was a, it was others that turned it into a political message yes. around him. And I wonder if this is the sort of thing that this might be, except for these the fact that these guys have got advertising and marketing chops, primarily, um, have, you know, deliberately forced the message through by over-egging it, basically.
3: Well, I think... Well, Like, in terms of the the film description, I I do wonder, like, did somebody else write that? Um, Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's so heavily embedded in the film itself, this clearly is not an accidental message at all. It's 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 in your face. Um, And yeah, there's there. I think we are going to see more content like this, uh, I think, largely because. This is not an this is not a simple issue. Present The the issues that led to this futuristic world that he's portraying are not simple. They don't have simple solutions. So as much as I'm critical about them not being more specific with the call to action, it's also a matter of, well, nobody really knows what to do. Not really. We're talking about global scale. And even the people that have the power to make stuff happen on a global scale, they don't know what to do. They don't really know. Everyone's still kind of guessing there's this general sense of you know we'll th- throw this stuff in a different bin that'll that'll fix it no no we've gotten ourselves into way bigger mess than that so i'm sympathetic with the ambiguity of the call to action because i don't have the answer either you know i wouldn't i wouldn't know what to put there um but nobody does so a, yeah, does there there still needs to be attention called to hey this threat's here and it's real, and I get that, but um, I think that may be why another reason why it, it just would have been more effective without the preaching because if there's, if there's anything worse than being preached at, it's being preached at by somebody who doesn't know what to do. You know, I'm going to preach at you and themselves. tell you to do something. <laughs> I'll I'll get back to you on that. You know, that was so. That.
2: Yeah, There's a TV show called The Orville, and it starts off, it's like a Star Trek parody. And it's Seth MacFarlane, and I don't necessarily find him his humour that funny. But then it very quickly evolves into the show where they're not afraid to ask tough questions about society. And um, like episode three, they go straight into trans rights. And they present it in a way that the writers of the TV show know this is an important subject but they also know they're not smart enough to solve it they just want people to think about it and so they'll tell a story around whatever the issue is and they cover all kinds of things throughout the the series but they don't always answer it in a way Something like Star Trek the producers of the show have the very strict rules that you can ask tough questions but you must always have an answer to it and that means that they don't cover some issues because there are no answers to it yet because no one's thought of it. in a short
0: television format they can't expand on the complexities of the issue
2: yeah but um i think the orville works in a way that i know we're going away from the film we're talking about but they they know that they can't solve it so they'll make people think about it and say this is something that needs to be solved and the characters know this is something they need to work on but they don't have the answers yet and i think that's a good way to do it so maybe that's something that um would work in any kind of film that is raising issues like climate change yeah okay we the filmmaker may not have the answers to it, but do it in a way that gets people thinking about it because someone watching it may think, well, actually, if we do this, then that would maybe make things a bit better.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still an active theme in science fiction. I'm reading a a science fiction novel. that was just published called Infinity Gate by M.R. Carey that has the same background, a dystopian future, a scientist who's working on a, very important project and they become so narrow focused that everything is falling apart around them. The whole environment is falling apart and yet they never, there's no polemical message in it. It's not as if the lead character is saying, and the Russia did this and they've caused this problem. You know, it's not analyzing it. It's just observing it, that that's what's happening, leaving the audience, or the reader to make their own conclusion. So it's still a very, that theme in science fiction is still very present. And I agree with you, Teresa. I think we're going to see more of that. In, and I think the-
3: that's good too. I mean, if there's anything that we should be doing about a problem that we don't know the solution to, it's thinking more about it. Hmm. So yeah, any anything that's going to keep us thinking about it, because that's ultimately going to be where the solution comes from. Is yeah. thinking about it and talking about it because I'm not going to think of everything that you will, you know, I mean, that's, I, I don't know. Some of Roddenberry's stuff in Star Trek was, a, it, it kind of went a little bit on the preachy side, but I think his best stuff was where they were more subtle with it, more artful with it, just bringing it up to get people to think about it. Um, I mean, some of the, 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 influence that Star Trek had on, on attitudes about race, it, still has not been fully understood it's it's amazing uh how progressive he was uh without you know just barely pushing it to where you know because people weren't ready to to be liberal-minded about those things in the 60s they just weren't you know and i feel like he contributed to that conversation in a helpful way um yeah that 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 stuff needs to happen for sure so
1: thanks great comments really enjoyed that thank you
0: thank you Great pick. I want to say again, I'm so happy to be in this podcast because we all come up with the most interesting and unusual films that produce lots of debate and uh, questing and and thoughtful responses and ideas about them. It's what keeps me coming back to the show each month. So thank you for your picks. Um, to close out, if you have a comment or you disagree or you think, I'm a fool for not enjoying uh, being preached at in my face. Uh, send a message to talk at completelymachinima.com. We also have very good show notes that Tracy puts together at our main website, completelymachinima.com. Well, that's it for May. Uh, thank you. We'll have a whole new slate of stuff next month and possibly in the future, a special uh, project that is going to be mysterious um, we're going to say an unnamed benefactor may be doing something that's uh, quite interesting and unique uh, for machinima <laughs> and machinima history. <laughs> history. So that's it for our show. Thank you, Tracy, Damien, and Phil. I'm Richard Grove, and we'll see you next month.
1: See bye